Good afternoon. Good afternoon, listeners. Tony Pellegrini here with Teaching and Learning at Southern Utah University. Uh, we're uh, tickled to have you uh, listen in today as I uh, pose a few questions to Brandon Wiggins from our physics department. Um, uh, Brandon, would you be willing to take a moment or two and tell a little about your background, a little about your history, uh, um, why you're so tickled to be here teaching at SUU? Sure. Um, so I went to SUU, I guess, as an undergraduate. And so that's one of the reasons, at least, why um, I was absolutely thrilled at the opportunity to be out, being able to come back. Um, so I did my undergraduate here, um, went off and did grad school. Part of that was at um, Los Alamos National Laboratory, where I um, did some computational astrophysics, which is just doing physics inside of a computer. And, um, and now I'm here teaching at Southern Utah University. So that's kind of me. That is exciting. That is very, very exciting. And I know uh, that you've had the, uh, you, you, we're uh, recognizing and honoring you for your, you know, outstanding educator position or um, reward that you've won. And we're just tickled to be able to find out, you know, uh, to steal some great ideas from you and, and encourage some learners to, to come to your class and sign up for your classes because of the great activities that you uh, have been involved in. Would you take a moment or two to talk to us a little bit about what made you decide to become a teacher? Why did you want to get away from that uh, uh, physics inside of a computer? <laughs> well, the good news about being a professor is you don't have to get, I guess, all the way away from that type of thing. You still get to keep your research a little bit. But it was a deliberate choice, yeah, to go to an institution that's primarily a teaching institution and not, a, um, not maybe a research-based institution. I've had opportunities to go to, to bigger institutions. Um, and, and what you see there, of course, as everyone knows, is um, um, the student body is vast enough that um, you kind of have to treat students as populations rather than as people. Uh, and, and so um, I, I, uh, I, I, I love being here. I actually knew I was going to be a teacher as early as um, kindergarten. My grandpa was a professor of geology, and um, he inspired me that early. It was decided by kindergarten. So been planning for a little while, I guess. That is wonderful. I, I loved your, I loved your concept there of uh, teaching people and not necessarily populations. That, that sounds a little bit like a teaching philosophy. Do you have a teaching philosophy that you follow? Would you be willing to share that with us? Sure. And I'll, I'll say that, first of all, I don't know that mine's the best, right? I'm sure it could be fine to do. It works for you though, right? <laughs> it works, yeah. So, so I, I, I mean, I guess you could I could state mine um, probably in three different ways, but I suppose I'm saying the same thing each time, but probably the, the best way to say this is I think I, I'd like to teach the class that I would want to take. Um, and that's something that I think is very easy to forget to do because a lot of us have learning outcomes we're trying to hit and um, you know, there's outcomes that on the back end of all of this that um, we feel obligated to, to reach, but that's, that's kind of been my guiding philosophy. Teach the class um, that you'd want to take. I guess another piece of that is I try to meet my students on sort of their own terms. Um, uh, and that's, that's important to me. I think that is uh, very, from my perspective, very, very profound. I'm very telling meeting students on their own terms. You know, um, uh, I, I'm not a physics professor, and the, 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 the 
content knowledge that you have about uh, how our world and universe works is profound. Um, but, you know, uh, yes, absolutely. Humans are a part of that. Students are a part of that. Faculty is a part of that. But we really have emotions that maybe uh, physics uh, doesn't really have those emotions. How do you how do you deal or come from a, a physical world to a to a social a social emotional world uh, where you're 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 working with human uh, students and and trying to help them uh, learn the lessons that you want them to learn? How, how do you go about doing that? Good question. Um... A lot of it is, I, I think, I mean, I, I don't know. There's a, there's a famous TED speaker. I think everyone's seen it. Ken Robinson um, speaks a little bit. I've spoken a couple of times at some TED conferences. And um, privately, he's written a little bit about how he teaches and how he, um, I guess, starts a class. And I love his, 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 um, his way of doing this. Essentially what he says is I, I walk into a room and the first thing I try to do, the first objective before content, before anything, is I, I try to make a connection with my students. And he said, I, I have to feel around a little bit. So that can take two minutes. Sometimes it takes 10 minutes, but he said, I know that nothing useful is done until after that connection is made. Um, I, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I found that to be true of my experience. We all know, I think as professors, what that feels like um, when we've made a meaningful connection with our students. I think that's sort of the way I would answer that question. It's, I, I honestly look up to the students that I teach. They're incredibly busy people. They're balancing a bunch of different obligations and they're doing so rather masterfully. There's certainly more expectations on their time than there were even the short time ago that I was in college. Um, and I think that connection is actually what makes, um, anyway, that's first of all what makes teaching worthwhile, but I also think it makes it very effective. I, I, I really love that perspective, that, uh, that connecting with your students to find uh, some way that we can speak the same language or, or have the same passions. Um, can you talk to us for a moment or two about how, those connections, once you've made those, how do you use those to really help you to um, check with those students, those incredibly brilliant and busy learners that you have, uh, to make sure that they're understanding what you're teaching there. They're connecting not only to you, but to your content. What are some of the ways and approaches that you use to, to check that uh, or, or check for that student understanding? I think there's a couple of ways. I think it all sort of revolves around sort of frequent low stakes quizzing um, that doesn't need to be mean or vindictive or scary. Um, but, but throughout class, there's opportunities as, as most professors have to, to, to participate. I, I pose questions that, that, are, um, that turn into discussions, right? Riddles, if you like, that um, hopefully tickle their curiosity, but also help them try to connect concepts together. And you can get a fairly good gauge of student command of the subject um, through those discussions. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not afraid to quiz frequently either and, and at very low stakes. I, I think that there's an illusion of knowing that kind of sets in when a professor makes this all seem very clear. I don't know if you've, I, I used to feel this when I was in the classroom. 
uh, it would all seem so clear in the classroom when you go home by yourself and try to do the homework and it wouldn't be clear. And um, the sooner you can have students fail, um, the sooner, of course, it will succeed. Uh, we have a little saying in our class that we fail early to succeed sooner, which I'm sure we borrowed from someplace else. But um, I, I try to, to set up those moments of realization, I guess, as early as possible in lecture if possible or, or frequently outside of class on Canvas or whatever the case may be. That, that is very, very appropriate. That, you know, that low stakes question, I, I'm, I'm a, an old ESL teacher and I, and I really do believe that, uh, you know, all learning is second language learning and, and that, um, you know, we are emotional human beings and if those emotions rise, then it really stops that communication or that connection. And I love the fact that you have these uh, low stake formative assessments, quizzes that, we can, it, it's okay to fail on those. How do you move it to the next step to assess your student progress more in a summative way? Uh, what are some of the approaches or activities that you use to move from you know, a, a low stakes formative assessment to more of a higher stakes uh, summative assessment while not really scaring your students away? <laughs> There's gonna be a little bit of terror. I, I think <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how to get that. You just that. have to say physics to me and it creates the terror. Absolutely. Yeah, that, well, that's, that's also the thing. I think in our classroom, we all have the posture that it's all of us against physics, I think. Oh. Um, <laughs> and uh, that physics is kind of this outside scary thing. But, but, the, but the way I think that, um, and, and I, I, I'm not doing anything too novel here. I think every professor tries to do this as well. I, very clear expectations, right, on, on what what students should be gaining command of. Half of the struggle, there's, I, I've taken courses where there's been unhelpful difficulties in, in um, maybe the course design not being quite as organized as maybe I would have liked as a student or not really knowing what was important to the professor. And so now coming back as one, of course, that's one of the things I hit very hard, exactly what it is that I want students to learn. Um, and then, then testing on that. Um, um, I, yeah, we have a full day. I know this is unusual for my types of classes, classes, but we have full days where we would just review for exams. We try to bring a bunch of different concepts together and hopefully put them together in a holistic way. Um, as far as the holist, uh, the summative assessments go, um, I'm also one of those sticklers right now for, I still do written exams. Um, I don't do multiple choice still, and um, it's murdering me as But But the idea is, I mean, I, the idea that, that, a, that a professor would take the time um, for my papers when I was coming here as a student and would write comments in the margins or, or what have you, um, that was, I still have, I still have tests, assessments for my undergraduate years um, because not only were they, they informative, but they, they meant something to me that the professor would take that time. And so, so my feedback on those, those tests, which again, they're, they're workout style tests. I grade every line of work. I tell my students, I don't, I don't have a key when I start grading your tests. Um, I'm looking for the correct process, the, the way you're thinking. Um, and that's the kind of the granular level that I'm, that I'm grading at. But um, anyway, I, I feel I owe that to the students in a way, if they've, if they've um, prepared themselves to show me a complete process, I should be ready to to give feedback on that complete process and reward them for command of that process. So I haven't found a way around that yet, so. I, I think it's wonderful that you've had that absolutely modeled for you by SU 
professors and you're you're contributing now that to to future and maybe future SUU professors I think that's wonderful um, and, and I've sensed a lot I want to take a little bit of different tack to change the tack just a little bit here um, but have heard really heard uh, in your voice your passion for uh, teaching here at SUU um, can you talk to us for a moment or two about that uh, that love or that passion for uh, teaching here at SU had opportunities, like you said, to, to go other places, more research-based. What really, what really instills that passion in you? Oh, that's a good question. I, um, I'm legitimately so. So here's a couple of things. The first thing is, um, I should ask you, professor, that said this once, and I, I think it was true of physics too. I, I'm just making the connection now as I'm talking, but. And one of the things that I assume is that no one wants to learn physics, right? My, my class is sort of a physics for people who hate physics class. Um, and I, I kind of approached on that level. No one's, <laughs> everyone's taking this because they have to take a test, a standardized test usually begins medical school or, or because their major requires it or what have you. And so a lot of them are not coming to me because um, of inherent passion for the subject. And so it's kind of, I don't know. My philosophy has been there, there are places that you can go where you can lock yourself in your office all day and do research. That's that's really is a possibility for everyone that works at SUU. You can do that. Um, but the reality is, is um, you know, we're, we're, we're all giving that up and we're giving that up because we want to influence people in a classroom. So we might as well um, pull out all the stops, as they say, and, and make this make this experience a good one. Um, I firmly believe my students changed my life, um, um, and and my my deepest aspiration is to maybe in some small way um, influence these students' lives. If not if not with the love of learning or love of physics, just just with that general curiosity about the natural world. I suppose um, this is what makes life exciting for me. Uh, <laughs> That my fascination with the natural world, and uh, I think I think that um, I think that's the way we should teach. We all got into our fields because we uh, we love them, and um, and uh, it's just a matter of of uh, finding a way to to communicate that. I, I don't know where it comes from exactly. Maybe it's too much Dr. Pepper. That's probably the correct <laughs> I'm not going to try to steer you away from that. I'm not going to try to steer you away from that. <laughs> Uh, Brandon, just one last question for you to consider, please. You yeah. know, um, uh, you've mentioned that you get to work with students who don't have a, maybe a, a very deep passion for uh, for physics. And so I'm sure you have a wide variety, a wide continuum of learners with uh, understanding and background and knowledge and skills. At one end of that, uh, certainly from time to time, you may have had, <coughs> pardon me, a, a referral from the Disability Resource Center. How do, you, how do you try to meet the needs of, of learners that uh, maybe are, are at that end of the scale that are um, uh, challenged in those ways? I've, I've had the opportunity, as all of us have, I've had the opportunity to do that. Um, and by the way, some of the coolest experiences that I've had as a professor have been working with these particular students. There, there's some really good opportunities for a professor to really augment someone's life. There was one particular student that I had who um, was formally dyslexic, um, so much so that um, 
simply reading problems, reading the, the problem alone was a was an issue, and then trying to construct a coherent uh, a coherent calculation um, was was a real struggle. Um, perhaps my my optimism with teaching, say, physics is is that everyone thinks like a physicist. It's just physicists often call these things different things. We everyone can balance a budget. Um, in, in physics, we balance energy. We make sure no energy is spent. Uh, all the energy is accounted for, or all the momentum is accounted for. And so um, after hours, as, and this is nothing too noble. We, we professors do this all the time. Outside of office hours, I, I met with a student and, and we would work problems on a whiteboard. Um, and it was, it was one of the most uh, rewarding experiences I've had as a professor, seeing this, this kid gain this confidence that it, even though he had this, this, this disability that was holding him back, um, it wasn't holding him back. And, and in fact, the, the things we were talking about were actually very conceptually simple and they were things within his grasp. Um, and seeing him put those all together was, was very rewarding. I, I do have the philosophy that we sometimes can get got, caught up teaching classes and, and I do this as well. I, I think we get pulled into the world of, I'm gonna put effort into my course but what makes us you special to me is that um, everyone here puts effort into people. They put effort into these students almost on a one-by-one -one basis. And um, I think that's what's in our secret sauce here. It is delicious, isn't it, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, uh, our time is up. Uh, do you have any, any questions that I haven't asked you or anything that you'd like to share or that, that, that I haven't hit on that, that you really would like to share with our listeners? No, I, I've just been thrilled to, to be here and it's been an absolute honor to, to be a part of the podcast. Thanks so much, Tony. You are very, very welcome. I appreciate you and I'm grateful for your work. I'm uh, friends. Uh, or student friends, I hope you'd consider uh, taking one of Brandon's classes. Uh, and, and peers, uh, faculty peers, I hope you'd consider reaching out to Brandon and, and, and hanging out with him or uh, in his classes sometimes to see how he puts these activities into practice. Brandon, you've been a delight. I appreciate you and, and uh, look forward to learning more about you in the future. Hey, thanks so much, Tony. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye now. Bye now.